service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Charlotte. Hello. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Fort Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Fort Welcome to the greatest generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. You're a fucking pizza thief, Adam. <laughs> I'm never telling a story on a podcast again. It's great. What are the chances you told that story with every single detail included? Let me tell you... Uh, what is this with people that like don't assume that you're telling a story for entertainment value on your comedy podcast? That's just it. That's That's the weird judgment you're subjected to. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible to be accused of pizza thievery when you know yourself to be innocent. And it's also a terrible story when you include every factual detail that would exonerate me. <laughs> it's also really hard to remember that that was like for people on Reddit and not like even close to being That's, a preponderance of listeners. Look, I know you're I know you're trying to uh to to mother my my hurt heart and brain yeah. and ego or whatever. But uh, it's important to remember that most people really like us. <laughs> and, I don't believe that for a second. And the thing is, I'll, and the thing is, I'll never believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard thing. I mean, the community of people who have had a pizza stolen from them were understandably you know, aggrieved. Here's the thing. Like, I should have considered the many, many people who have been aggrieved in that way. I've never had a pizza stolen from me, so I could not know their hurt. I could yeah. not know the anguish You didn't put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's strange. Like, I, I think that the mechanics of that story, like, work differently depending on what kind of dwelling you're picturing. And, like... The last if, thing I want to do is give away a bunch of details about my dwelling. <laughs> That's exactly also, it. Like, like people are if, guessing if, like what part of LA I live in and what configuration yeah. of my home and all the rest. Yeah, what 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 kind of down payment you put on? Yeah, <laughs> like come on. And not only that, they're asking these questions as a way to either exonerate or implicate me in a case of pizza thievery. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty strange. Pretty low stakes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm frankly really glad to be back to low stakes controversies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the briar patch, you know. It's very true. Other than that, Adam, how's your week going? It's going okay. I uh, I set up. I feel like I set up my day really well. I think yeah. uh, I got all the stuff done that I needed to get done, uh, including some physical activity, which has uh, allowed a kind of impromptu afternoon beverage situation. Oh, man. I'm going to try to make this a thing I look forward to instead of a thing that, uh, that I'm stressed out about, this whole podcasting <laughs> thing with you. Uh, and I think, and I think the introduction of a regular drink on the episodes is going to be a good idea. I feel like that's a very healthy outlook, and I, I'm terrified that we got to a place where you were like, "Oh God, I got to fucking talk to Ben about Star Trek for an hour." Shit. You know what? I was briefly there, but then I, I, I pivoted out of it into a cocktail, and <laughs> and now I'm on the right track again, Ben. <laughs> I I don't know what to think. I, a whole new series of controversies will now begin to swirl. Yeah, 
Are Adam and Ben fighting? No, no, we're barely talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to catch you up on some stuff uh, after the show, uh, by the way. <laughs> how about you? Are you doing okay? I'm doing okay. Um, I've been just in a tunnel of therapy lately. I got back into it in a big way. I'm, I'm doing two a weeks. And wow. that has been like very, very intense. I mean, that's just a lot of talking about yourself in general in yeah. a way that I would have a big problem with personally. You've, you've never had an issue <laughs> with that. So I'm sure, sure it's something well, you thanks, look forward Adam. to. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time talking about why do I have to be the center of attention at all times? Why is it always got to be all about Ben? I know. It's, it's work I'm sure you're glad I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it'll take years to get to the core of that problem. Uh, well, do you want to see how many years it takes the Voyager crew to get to the core of the Alpha Quadrant? Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of licks to get to the center of this wormhole. It's uh, Star Trek Voyager Season 1, Episode 6, Eye of the Needle. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> Unmistakable signs of a butthole, Adam. We get the, uh, we get the display on the... Voyager's Elkar's screen. The digital graph paper visualization of it. It's just a big brown eye, you know? Yeah. Verderon emanations. Tunneling secondary particles. They say something in this conversation. They've, they've detected this wormhole and they're like, great, wormhole. There are fully one quarter odds that this thing leads back to the Alpha Quadrant. What? How how can they determine that? How how do they know that it goes to one of four? It could just come back to this quadrant. Ben, I've right? got an answer, and it's going to blow your fucking mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. The root word in quadrant is quad, which means four, and that uh -huh. means there are four possible off ramps that this butthole exits on. Uh, and uh -huh. so it's just it's basic statistics. Ben, it's a four sided die. You roll the yeah. die, and uh, and that's where you end up once you go through this butthole. Maybe they know something about space buttholes that I don't, Adam, but couldn't it come out in a different galaxy? What if it comes out in the Alpha Quadrant of the Andromeda Galaxy? Like, why does it have to go to any quadrant? I don't know. That, that seems pretty far-fetched. That's, that's an extremely <laughs> okay. long butthole that we're talking about if you were to exit the galaxy. Yeah, People aren't I mean, normally doing that. I think that only happened once on TNG, right? Yeah. Have you gotten a load of the butthole on this guy? Now that's a nice long butthole. <laughs> I just watched the episode of Curb where uh, Larry gets his long balls caught in the, in the fly of his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> He's got long balls. Long balls. He's got long ass balls. The cold open of this episode introduces what should be an interesting problem to solve going forward, which is if you know that the constant of your problem is like 70 some years to get home in a conventional way, yep. and, you st and you still have a ship to run, how much of those ship's resources do you put on the idea of looking for a cheat? Right. Be it wormhole or alien transport technology or, or, or mystery idea. Like, right. I've got to believe you got to put a quadrant of your ship's crew uh, mm. <laughs> But how could you problem. tell that it was a, a quadrant, Adam? <laughs> I think that's a great question. And a corollary to that is how do you assess whether something is too much of a long shot to continue trying? Yeah. 
I mean, that's the question. It, it's uh, the variables are like effort and amount of crew you have and the amount of time it takes yeah. to run an experiment that might save you some time versus use up time in the event that that experiment fails. There's a whole lot of things to consider. But one thing Captain Janeway is a thousand percent sure of is she wants to put the ship inside of things. If there's even the possibility of finding a wormhole, I think we can afford a detour. Anything they find, <laughs> she wants to put it in. She does. And this tiny space butthole is no different. She's very tempted by the tight hole. And uh, they they do the thing where they pull up to it and put it up on view screen. It is not there. They have to enhance several times. Enhance. Enhance. Just print the damn thing. And when they when they get it, they find out that this is a wormhole that is way too small to put the ship into. It's only thirty centimeters in diameter. How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? I was thinking about the size of thirty centimeters. It's not a lot. It's a it's about a ruler. Yeah. Could you fit it? Oh wow! You brought a visual aid to class today. <laughs> Could you fit a Doug Jones through this wormhole? He's probably skinny enough. Like if you've got a if you've got a contortionist crew person, yeah, I think you got to try just sticking Throwing that guy somebody through. Yeah, in an EVA suit through that thing. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I don't they, know if they have any kelpians on board. But uh, but they do shoot a micro probe, and I thought that this was so cool because. They actually show the the probe's eye view going in, mm -hmm. and uh, they were able to license the footage of Katie Couric's colonoscopy yeah. to do this visual effect. Yeah, entertaining and educational. I'm a pretty little colon. So brave. So flatulent. <laughs> the feeling that they get from putting this microprobe into this hole is that it's an old hole. It's a super mm. old hole. It's so old that the probe gets stuck in its folds of skin. <laughs> yeah, kind of contrary to Larry David's experience of, of age leading to a loosening uh -huh. of the tissues, this hole is contracting. Yeah. And the, the probe really just kind of gets wedged in there. And uh, unfortunately, it's the kind of probe that doesn't have a flared base. There's a trick this episode does several times, which is portray the loss of hope in a in a crew person or a number of crew people and then immediately give them hope again after maybe a beat like yeah you rest in the hopelessness for just a moment before redemption it's kind of a microcosm of the premise of the series yeah. in a way like they they are working out these ideas in real time and so so the the glimmer of hope here is like what if we could turn this probe into like a Wi-Fi hub and repeat, use it to repeat an image, uh, a message because there's somebody on the other side of this thing. Our probe is getting scanned. So maybe somebody could pick up a, a message and there's a 25% chance that that person is in the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> I like those odds. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody likes those odds. This is awesome. There's like an emotional wave to this, like the loss of hope that Kim feels and then something incredible happens because they get the sign that there's someone or something on the other side responding to this message. And right as we're like 
on our emotional boogie board, getting on top of the wave, we uh, <laughs> we spill over into our B story, <laughs> coasting down the crest and uh, and onto the beach. Yeah, uh, we've got Kess in the six bay area of the ship. Kess, I feel like has gone through a little bit of a makeup or wardrobe change this episode that I would say makes her look more Vulcan than she ever has. I feel like she got a haircut or something to yeah, the, emphasize her ears or or something. The the hair is is definitely different. It was kind of more blown out before mm-hmm. and they're they're uh, styling it so that it lays a little more flat and and so that she has a more pronounced bang. But I I wonder if they, there's also a loaf thing going on because I noticed her ears a lot more. I wonder if they changed how she looks as a reaction to her on-screen relationship with Neelix. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy. Like, hmm. like the, the first five episodes, she was like a very foxy, ingenue figure paired up with like this dopey Neelix <laughs> more adults presenting male figure like i wonder i wonder if there's anything there about that i don't know i it always makes you wonder when they like really change up somebody's look on a show like this because they don't and, take that stuff lightly and it's hard yeah and i feel like it maybe could have gone commented on like but maybe not i don't know i don't necessarily think that all of the producers uh, we're acting in good faith on right. the way Cass and Neelix's relationship would get treated on this show. So yeah, yeah. So uh, so Walter Baxter's on a bio bed in here, and he's had a a gymnasium related injury that he's getting looked yeah. at by by Doc Holloway. <laughs> is that a thing? It is now. <laughs> And this guy, this guy's anti-hollow. He really reminded me a lot of McCoy in this kind of like cantankerous attitude he has that's got like technophobia and kind of hollow racism mixed in. Like, the you know, the way McCoy talks to Spock in a lot of the television show especially is very like... It's very problematic. It's very like, oh, like, is he like the Archie Bunker of Star Trek? Like, why does he just say awful shit to Spock's face about how creepy he thinks Vulcans are? Uh, This guy is doing that same routine with the doctor. But I'm also like, if you're such a fucking technophobe, why are you in Starfleet? Pick a different line of work. I wanted to follow Baxter's life around a little bit to interrogate. (laughs) To the extent he may be uh, a hollow hypocrite, like, <laughs> like does he go to the holodeck and not fuck? Like, does he does he take it back to his quarters, old school? <laughs> for for Jackin, when Neelix started started uh, converting the captain's private dining room for uh, a commissary, he was like the only person on the ship that was excited. He's like, finally, none of this replicated crap. I don't trust it. I really think this guy is cast well. He has the look of someone with uh, some uncomfortable personal beliefs that you hope uh, aren't aired uh, at a holiday meal. You know, <laughs> he's got he's got like bad guy on a Hallmark film face. Yeah. You know, don't pour Lieutenant Baxter a third glass of wine. All right, yeah. <laughs> 
he uh he also does this thing where he's like really talking past the doctor only addressing Cass. Can this guy do everything a real doctor does? Yes, he can. This really rubs Cass the wrong way. Like the second he's out of there, she's like, "Why are you letting him treat you like that?" Did you notice how rudely that officer treated you? The doctor's like, "Let's just say I've become accustomed to being treated like a hypospray." This is classic. You're out on a date with someone and they treat the server poorly vibes here. Yeah. You know, Cass yeah. is like going to be nice and she's realizing that that Baxter here uh is a shithead to the server and a bad tipper. Yeah, I, I did like when the doctor uh, walked over to his desk. She subtly took out a 20 and supplemented <laughs> Baxter's tip yeah. on the bio bed. Yeah, extra slips of latinum under the triangular <laughs> pillow there. <laughs> you don't want it to blow away. <laughs> Back to our A story already in progress. There's a McLaughlin group Issue one. that's been convened to update the captain with the thoughts of the crew about the space butthole. And while there's a lot of techno babble happening here, what's what's really the thrust of the meeting is what happens when it's over. It's that Tuvok is seeing all the hope that Kim has and is like, Kim is basically wearing around a ball kicking machine waiting for people to stick quarters in it and Janeway is like it's better to be in a ball kicking machine and not be kicked than not be in the machine at all because you haven't put in an effort into anything right (laughs) very wise Adam (laughs) yeah there's a very disappointed mom opening up the fortune cookie and getting that tome of wisdom <laughs> she's like what are they even doing with these things these days I see my fortune now you're gonna be eaten by a big greasy monster have a nice day so it's kim and balana torres who i've read on reddit is someone we should be calling blt and i'm just gonna straight up fucking steal that <laughs> blt is is balana torres wow <laughs> this is a fun callback because kim and blt were on that very first mission together where you yeah. got to you got to experience the odd coupleness of them their their different experiences arriving at the same place together and this project is another example of how, of how different they are he's attacking this on an emotional level it'll mean so much to people back home the emotional being what is motivating him towards this solution he wants to have those once a week phone calls with his parents he wants to be in touch with his his lady friend back at home and and blt is motivated by the problem solving aspect of this she's far more practical she doesn't have anyone anyone at home waiting for her most of my friends are here on the ship it's kind of an interesting scene because i think that kim kind of realizes that maybe he needs to check his having loved ones privilege a little bit he's like telling Torres is that about all a this privilege. I would say that in the context of this scene, it is because he's he's telling her about all the people that are missing him and like operating under the assumption that like the world is waiting to find out what happened to the Voyager. They probably just think we're lost. And she is like, "What are you talking about? We haven't even gone that long. Like nobody gives a shit about us." Yeah, I, I guess I I don't view it through the same lens because Kim's quote unquote privilege isn't something that makes BLT feel bad about her differences with him. And his experience, you know? No, I, I wasn't putting it in that way. But, like, he does kind of, like, keep peppering her with questions. We find out that she has, like, a deadbeat human dad who moved back to Earth when she was little. And 
a mom that she does not see eye to eye with who is probably on Gunush. The the main takeaway from this story is that BLT's dad was human and BLT's mom was Klingon, which means her father must be a great stick man, one of the greats <laughs> of all time. Yeah. I mean, that's twice as much work if you're human, right? Do you think he goes back and forth? Those are very irreconcilable differences. <laughs> What's the goal here, Ben? Because at this point, the, the goal is send a message, yeah. any message, to let Starfleet know that we're out here. But is the thinking that if Starfleet knows where they are and they're, that they're heading back home, that there's some sort of meet halfway option? The boy's alive. We are going to send somebody to find him. And we are going to get him the hell out of there. I wanted to interrogate this more in the episode. Because yeah. like, if, if they're able to get the message out, does Starfleet send a corresponding vessel out to meet them? And is that a weird as hell mission for the right Starfleet crew to like go, 35 <laughs> years, baby. Hop on board. Let's yeah. do this thing. Like, and just keep our fingers crossed that they'll hold up their end of the bargain. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, I think that because the goalposts move so many times in this episode, it's hard for them to dig into those things. But I did think a lot about like there would be some comfort if you were suddenly unable to contact your loved ones in just saying like, here's where I am. Here's why I'm not picking up the phone anymore. On a very like basic human level, I know I know even the word is racist. <laughs> Thanks for calling your drop, Adam. <laughs> the very name is racist. There's safety in just the idea that someone knows where you are. And yeah. there is a lack of safety in those moments where nobody knows where you are. It's the it's the kid lost in a department store feeling. You feel that on a very instinctual level. And I think you're right that the idea of them getting a message back and knowing that it was received is going to make everyone feel a little better on at least that basic level. If you could read one crewman's message home at this point, who whose would you read? Because my, I mean, an my answer is Kim. Like, I want to know if he, like, tells his girlfriend, like, look, it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to get home anytime soon. So don't wait for me. It's episode six of Voyager. Is he the crew person we know the best in terms of backstory? It's probably and, between and, him and Paris, right? Yeah, and all of the, all of the parts. All of, I feel like that. That's got to be the right answer. Yeah, I just feel like it'd be interesting to know where his head is at in terms of like how much hope he has or has not given up, because the like the voice of hopefulness jumps around a bunch in this episode and finds its way into characters that I didn't expect. Yeah. Do they bring Kess and Neelix with them? Like if this, or do they just like shove them in their ship and dump them out the uh, <laughs> the shuttle bay? I think that they got to leave someone to set self-destruct because they can't leave a huge piece of Starfleet materiel like this in the, in the D quad. God, we're going to get to that aspect later. I, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about... <laughs> About that when we get there. But first, we've got to talk about this B story scene where Cass pays the captain a visit in her ready room, is able to use some of the captain's privilege to get a replicated glass of juice. Computer, one spinach juice with a touch of pear and one cup of vegetable bouillon. 
they get into a contest about who can spend the most replicator rations on the least satisfying thing. <laughs> and honestly, Janeway wins this one running away. She gets vegetable broth. <laughs> who does that? Cool. At least get like miso soup or something, you know? Oh, miso would be a great choice. That's, it's still just as drinkable. That's a sippable soup. Yeah. What are the best sippable soups? Miso is definitely up there. I think miso is the, the A number one sippable soup. A bone broth uh-huh. is a great sippable soup. Yeah. Very unctuous. <laughs> <laughs> How about a Vichy Soise, Adam? A oh, nice yeah. cold sippable soup. Oh, I like that a lot. And, and speaking of cold, uh, a gazpacho. Yeah. What a, de- what a delight that would be. I just got one of those blenders where you can make a hot gazpacho just with the friction of the blade. I got to tell you, Ben, the uh, the soup blender is a thing you want to be careful with. You don't want to send the soup up onto the ceiling? Don't believe the line on the pitcher. Okay. <laughs> you want to come under the line by kind of a lot if you're using it to make the soup. Okay. Good, good tip. I'll say. That's a great tip. This was a birthday gift I got my wife. Yeah. Neither of us are huge soup people, so I'm not super worried about that particular That's what makes it a great phenomenon. birthday gift, Ben. <laughs> hey, I heard you didn't like soup. We're smoothie people. And I am a frozen daiquiri person, okay? The greatest gifts are the ones that are like, I want you to like a thing that I like. Here. <laughs> So, Kess and hey, Just Captain because Janeway, I know we're going to be deposed on the internet later, I got it for her because our earlier br- blender broke and she was really upset that we didn't have a working blender. So, just, just so people know, I didn't buy her a gift that was really for me. Did the last blender break because you dropped your wedding ring into it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. So Kess and Captain Janeway have a measure of a hologram argument here. It's yeah. pretty interesting. I thought this was really great. I Like, Janeway has a really strong initial reaction to, no, the doctor does not need to be treated like a person. He is a hologram. Do you and Neelix feel that your needs are being ignored? Of course not. We're very happy here. I'm referring to the doctor. And Kess pushes back and... I I thought it was nice to see the captain, like, be able to hear that she may be, you know, looking at this in the wrong way and is willing to reevaluate. Yeah, especially because she comes out of the blocks pretty definitively saying that holograms are for fucking. Yeah. And for for (laughs) medicine. And that's it. This is something I really admire about Starfleet captains in general. They are the boss that doesn't leave it at their word. Every single time. What's the quote? Strong opinions loosely held? Wow, Isn't that I a like sign that. of great intelligence? Yeah. That's Captain Janeway's whole deal here, and it's and it's a good look on her. It's like Larry David's is long balls loosely held. Long ball Larry. That's a new name. That signal that they sent through the space butthole is replied to. Yeah. And the source of the four quadrants, it's the alpha quadrant. It is. One in four chance. Nailed they it. nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> the odds were, were one in four, and they nailed it. Good job. Uh, this is a cargo ship captain. It takes a while to get the, the mm-hmm. signal cleared up, but uh, it's a cargo ship captain. And eventually, they hear that it is a Romulan cargo ship captain. And 
you know, Romulans always playing chess. So uh, he thinks this is a gambit. He doesn't believe that they're in the D quad. He thinks it's some kind of ham radio prank that they're playing on him. I and- love the the prank callness of this moment. Yeah. Feels very contemporary in that way. <laughs> it does. And uh, and he and he shuts the phone. If I ever find out who you are, I'm gonna shove a sausage down your throat and stick starving dogs in your butt. And so Janeway is just like, hey, so just keep calling that guy incessantly until he picks up again. <laughs> because that works. <laughs> Gotta suggest that to the not even a show. Like next time Sebastian Gorka hangs up on them, just keep calling over and over again. Their story feels fairly unbelievable. So. It's it's also like understandable in an odd way. Why would they be believed? They need to come up with a better introduction to their circumstances. Like ease the other person into this concept. <laughs> hey, you're not going to believe this, but so there's. I love this. Uh, at the end of the scene, Captain Janeway kind of storms off in frustration, and this kind of frees her up for the B story task yeah. that she's been given. In I guess conferring some sort of humanity. To the doctor, what's great about what Janeway does here is that she does not prescribe anything to him. She asks him what he wants and needs in order to function in a healthy way. And he expresses the idea that uh, his main gripe is people turning him off. What the doctor wants is to be turned on all the time by his (laughs) own free will or turned off of his own volition. He wants to control his turn-ons and his turn-offs. And uh, this may involve an upgrade to uh, to GGG. Yeah. I heard that Larry Flint, after his uh, spinal injury, had like a thing installed in his balls where he could like click a button and it would give him an erection. Like an adjustable bed? Yeah. I mean, Larry Flint had what the doctor wants. You got long balls, Larry. Robert Picardo is great in this scene because he never looks her in the eyes at all. He does not have the confidence of a person emboldened to advocate for themselves, you know? It's very interesting, the the kind of sympathy triangle here, that it took Kess seeing what he was going through and bringing it to the captain's attention. And the captain is the one that suggests, what if we put the on-off switch in your control? And he hasn't even really thought through like what it might be that would make him feel more comfortable, but they're adapting to a situation that nobody ever expected. And I just thought it was a really, a really sweet scene. Yeah. There's a sweetness there, but there is no definitive conclusion to the problem like she doesn't she doesn't say okay done (laughs) (laughs) she's got to sleep on it and uh coincidentally that's where the next scene occurs it's uh it's captain janeway's quarters and i think it might be the first time we get a really good look around the room yeah quarters and how they're decorated her uh, quarters really feel a lot like Picard's quarters in, in terms of just like the architecture. She's got like an old phonograph player in the corner, which is a fun dead tech decoration. Sorry, I just love Captain's trinkets, you know? Uh, she sleeps with her hair down and her sleep hair is big. It really is. I've, I mean, over the last couple of months, I've been sleeping that way myself. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> It's not great waking up with hair in your mouth and it's your own. <laughs> My goodness. 
I always notice this, the bed pushed up against the windows of a starship and those windows are open. Like I never sleep next to a window that's open at night. Yeah. You know, like, like that doesn't have a screen on it. I mean, so it's right. gotta be strange in the future on a ship where that's the default. Well, the, the open window is never going to have much light coming through it. You know, that's the thing. Unless you're in Star Trek Generations. Right. <laughs> when you just have beautiful Malibu sunset coming in at all times. Yeah. So she takes a call from this Rom in her quarters and she does kind of like help him through the the head fuck of their situation a little bit easier this time. And she's like, listen, like, all we want to do is, like, send some messages to our people back in the Alpha Quadrant. You can read the messages. Like, you can assess for yourself whether you think that they are, you know, spy messages or something. The Tom Paris messages, I would recommend you uh, you read alone. <laughs> yeah. Dim the lights. Have a, uh, have a hand towel at the ready. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, nothing to worry about with the Harry Kim messages. Those are going to be very chaste. <laughs> so she's just prevailing on him. Like, what if what if we sent you these messages and and you forwarded them onto Starfleet? Like, that's a pretty a pretty small ask, and it would uh, it would it would mean a lot to us. And I know that our people don't always see eye to eye, but if you could if you could see your way to doing that. That would be awesome. And he wants something to kind of verify their story. He's been able to, like, analyze their signal to some satisfaction that they are, in fact, broadcasting from the Delta Quadrant. But he would like to FaceTime. And she's like, well, we don't really have great reception here. I'm not sure if we'd get good FaceTime. And he's like, I've got this taken care of. I've got a signal booster. Oh, dang. What the heck? I got catfished. It's pretty exciting, but she's going to have to do something about that hair before getting on camera. Yeah. So I guess she goes back to bed because it felt like the next scene was like the shift change the next morning, right? And like everybody else has been working through the night on this problem. That's a great point. This is, I feel like, the moment in the episode with about 20 minutes left where I was like, Kind of a lot of episode left. And also this transition in the episode feels very awkward because it doesn't feel very grounded in its own reality in the way that you're saying. Like, this is an exciting moment, a proposition yeah. that's been accepted. And what we know is there's a ticking clock involved too. This old butthole is closing and yeah. it's going to crush the probe inside, and then the, their chance is going to be over. And then it's going to have to go to the emergency room, and some doctor is going to have to... Hey, Captain, if there was ever a time for an all-nighter, <laughs> this is probably it, right? Yeah. I guess Captain's prerogative, she's not going to pull the all-nighter, but everyone else is, so that when, when they do the FaceTime the next morning, she is fresh and ready to go. Yeah. And they talk to this this guy, and he's like... Wow, you, you really have like a hell of a ship there. I'm not familiar with that model. There's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff peppered in like that, that they're like, yeah, like it's not a secret type of spaceship. You can look it up. And mm -hmm. he's been he's been at, in space for over a year and their request is getting like bounced up to the highest levels. Like he's waiting to hear back from the Romulan Senate on whether he can accept these messages or not. That, to me, was when hope was lost. 
Like if you're if you're depending upon legislature to uh, to get anything done in an yeah. expedient way, you better hope that they've abolished the filibuster on Romulus. Right. I love that the angle on on this guy, his name is Telic Ramor. Like the angle on him is incidental. Yeah, he's. he's- <laughs> It's for everyone who's on the live feed, like he's just sort of uh, he's his body is facing one way and his face is facing the camera. Yeah, kind of a a mall glamour shot <laughs> posed to him. Yeah. This is looking really good. You can say that again. Well, I've got to get that platinum, get that roll, bit enlargement. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace. And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. 
Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that black note now. Are you planning a heist? Gold. What's great about this Romulan is that, like all Romulans, he seems inscrutable and unemotional and just not going to be invested in your problem over theirs. And what Captain Janeway does is it is act like a hostage appealing to a hostage taker's sense of humanity. She yeah. gets right in there and she's like, she starts asking about family, starts to, uh, again, like this is so racist. Like she tries to humanize him mm. in a way that can get them down on the same level. Federation is no more than a homo sapiens only club. And it kind of works. Like she's talking about his daughter that he's never met because she was born since he left on his mission. Right. She's like, listen, like anything you can do to hammer on the Senate to get this done would be huge. We don't have a lot of time. And it's also so fucking stupid, Ben. Like they could send the messages through now and decide later whether or not those messages are going to be shared. But the logic of the episode doesn't make that possible yeah they also talked about like we don't have a huge crew and i wondered like how much that would matter in a future like how like these messages can't even be like more than like a few megabytes if they're like emails right tom paris is the only one sending video messages and they're kind of a lot (laughs) terabytes and terabytes of dick pics How many dick pics would constitute a terabyte of dick pics? <laughs> like a billion dicks? A billion dicks is also known as a Reddit. <laughs> we don't have time to get into that, though, because uh, Bolana Torres storms onto the bridge and is like, Captain, I need to see you in private. And she's got a, she's got an idea. She's like, now this is a, a narrow butthole, but we're shooting... We're shooting a radio broadcast, but we could potentially shoot ropes of transporter beams through that hole. Yeah. Yeah. It would take some remodulation and some uh, phase variances. They need to change the, change the position a little bit, but, <laughs> but it seems highly likely that they could shoot people ropes through this hole. And uh, this is very exciting. This could be their salvation. Very tantalizing moment of hope. That uh, they could piggyback or bareback these transporter (laughs) signals on the communications (laughs) beam. Once again, this episode, we reach the end of a scene with an extreme amount of scientific excitement before crashing our boogie board back into Six Bay, (laughs) where uh, Kess is just demonstrating herself to be a a very good student. I enjoyed studying anatomy. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. And it's exciting for the doctor to have someone so interested in the field of medicine. She's uh, she's done all her homework. She's a good student. He says that she may have an eidetic memory, which I think is like, uh, that's like where you remember everything, right? What is the exact opposite of that? Because that's what I've got. <laughs> I forget. Well, Sammy Jenkins. There is a moment here that is emblematic of everything having to do with the doctor and his last to knowness. 
which is Cass is like, yeah, it's going to be awesome once we're all transported through that space butthole. It's just going to be you over here because I guess you can't be transported through the space butthole. Anyway, that's what's going on. Then you haven't heard? Heard what? If there were 15 more minutes left in this episode, like, what do we talk about back in the early greatest gen days? Like, some of our favorite scenes were those, well, I guess we got to blow up the ship. Can't let it <laughs> fall into enemy hands. Right. This is that moment. Like, prepare the ship to be abandoned. Yeah. What happens when you do that? Like, give the doctor like a like the speed dead man switch so that when they when they go, he can like take his finger off the trigger and blow the ship. One of the more expedient ways to apply a sense of real personhood to the doctor is to give them a critical task. Yeah. And by saying, Doc, you're the last one on board, you gotta blow up the ship. It would be amazing. That would have been cool. all of this Kess studying to be a doctor shit, save it for another episode. (laughs) The B story of this episode should be the Doc given the power to destroy the ship and all of the weird shit that that would surround an argument about that. Like, you can see the McLaughlin group happen where they're like, Issue two. Are we really going to give them the command codes to do this? (laughs) Like, has that ever been done before? And if the transporter thing doesn't work and we need to take them back away from him, what then? Right, right. Yeah. Does he like us enough to give them back? (laughs) Hey, uh... You know what? Should Baxter apologize before we uh, <laughs> suggest this idea to him? Yeah, I kind of regret having been so dismissive of him for the last yeah. five episodes <laughs> now. Instead, it's a pretty, like, elegiac moment. He's like, remember to shut the dock before you leave, basically. Yeah, so this was the moment in the ep where where my mind raced just about all the possibilities of what would happen if they had to transport off the ship. Yeah. But we never get any of those questions or answers because we have to do that classic Star Trek thing of beaming a bank teller tube back and forth before we ever beam a person through. It was very funny the way Telecromore was sitting the first time we saw him. And now we have a slightly wider shot of his bridge set. Mm-hmm. And it's still really funny because they beam this this test cylinder directly onto the desk in front of him. And just to the side. <laughs> there is no way in hell that that I would run the experiment one foot from my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've seen those things come back on transporter pads like as molten metal, right? This is I dangerous love, as hell. <laughs> I love how whenever you're working with the bank teller tube, uh, it's always the person on the other side going, Can you send me a piece of ID? I can't. <laughs> I can't cash a check without an ID. <laughs> I've never gotten to use one of those things. Oh, they're a delight. Oh. So great. Because you see them sometimes at like drive through ATMs, right? Yeah. 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 While you're driving up to the ATM, people having fun at the bank are using the tube system. It's great. I've never used the drive up ATM. What? Got too much self-respect. Like going to drive through for an ATM. Come on. Oh, I love it. I'll go out of my way for a drive through ATM. <laughs> so this system is working and like it's pr- in pretty short order that Janeway like marches down to the transporter room with Chakotay and they receive Telecromor 
on the transporter pad. It's like it takes a second to clear up the signal, but they clear it up and they like I feel like they should have like done a lot more back padding like you are the you transported the furthest distance of anybody in history congratulations <laughs> like you're basically neil armstrong for super long transporters that go through wormholes what would have been fun is like if you if you start as a single on janeway and then you pull out wide and there's like the uh the drugstore <laughs> banner on the back congratulations on your transport <laughs> Telegramore, bread box and all, makes yeah. it through. I was shocked that he would be the guinea pig here. Like after after setting up his story as a family man, how sure were you that he was going to die? I was positive he would die, if not here, then on the transport back. I mean, <laughs> he does die eventually. Right. But uh, we all do. This wasn't his moment. But um, the disappointing news when he materializes is that uh, he is from a different, he's from 20 years earlier than, uh, than they need to go. This is a space and time butthole. And uh, they didn't realize that. They never exchanged, uh, you know, they never had him like hold up today's newspaper in the FaceTime. Yeah. Fun bit of business when Tuvok just challenges him with what year it is. Yeah. I love, I love that it's Tuvok that that figures out the the time travel bit. Like I thought it was so funny to imagine Worf or Odo ever being the guy to figure out that somebody had traveled through time. Like yeah. he is he is a different kind of security officer. Kind of a different looking bread box on this guy too. Yeah. Like it doesn't look like the ones that we've seen ordinarily and so visually it checks out too. But they should have known just by looking at him. Like, like you know what Federation uniforms look like 20 years previously. They should right. be able to, to spot this a mile away. Yeah. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. So they have to have a McLaughlin group. Issue three. After this. this an urgent one. And it's fairly argumentative kim is down to stick with the plan he's like look this wormhole is leading back to the one of four quadrants that we need it's better than spending the next 70 years trying to get back and i don't care if it's 20 years ago i'm down and paris unlike other mclaughlin groups that talk about time travel and paradoxes and so forth <laughs> is more in line with what janeway suggests which is the paradox the paradoxical dangers inherent of doing this like you they can't go they just yeah. can't i know you're disappointed harry well I, I really liked that chakotay was the loudest voice for we've already changed too much about this quadrant like we can't mess up the timeline now like yeah. it's i think it's a really good writing choice that that doesn't come from Janeway's mouth because I think then they would have had to have Bolana like jump across the desk and stab her. It's just too bad that Chakotay describes it in a, you know, you can't have a spirit guide from the present run into the spirit guide from 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that was unfortunate. Uh, one of many unfortunate things about the depiction <laughs> of Chakotay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do think it would have been nice to have Bolana Torres express some anger in this scene she's kind of sitting there like taking it in silence 
And I thought, like, she had really strong feelings when they blew up the array. Who is she to be making these decisions for all of us? And I thought it would have been interesting to have her be like, what are we talking about here? Let's go back. Right. There's so much transference in terms of hope and grief and frustration among all the crew people that it is strange. Yeah. Who is feeling what, when in this episode? It might just be that because... The next scene is where they beam him back with their messages. And the second he beams back, Tuvok is like, hey, actually, that dude dies like four years before Voyager goes missing. Uh, I just looked him up on Wikipedia. And it's it's Bolana that brings the hope into this scene. Maybe he left a will telling someone else to transmit the messages. Or he could have given our computer chip to the Romulan government. If she'd flown off the handle in the McLaughlin group, it would have been hard to get to her being the one to inject a little optimism in the very next scene. But but I really like that it's her that injects the optimism there because it's it's a little bit of a left turn for her character in a way that I really liked. It's totally insane that this is left up to chance when the stakes are this high. Like, there should be a dead man switch to this plan, if anything were to happen to Telegramor. Yeah. Telegramor really comes off as thoughtful and intelligent and interesting because he offers up some pretty wild ideas at the end of this McLaughlin group about like, well, what if I told Starfleet not to launch Voyager on the mission that took you into the D-Quad? Like, that would work, right? <laughs> He's got all these wild ideas about, about stopping the Voyager problem before it starts. Yeah. His his grasp of this is is interesting and it's, Maybe that's why Chicote didn't like that idea and he's like, dude, like we are on season 1 of a 7 season television show. I don't think that that's going to work. I like that all of these are smart scientist people, but the fun of time travel is the discussion of all of the possibilities. Yeah. And this is a scene that that gives you a few of those. And I love the uncertainty that it's left with. They just are never going to be able to know whether or not it worked, you know? The music here, when they beam Telecromor back, sounded so much like Adagio for strings, like from the end of Platoon. Uh-huh. The signal's in the pattern buffer, transferring to the emitter array. Phase variance is out of sync again. Compensating. I I thought for sure he was going to die. Like, like they gave him the messages, they tried to send him through the butthole, the butthole collapses on him mid transport. Yeah, and they, they and they, they, they lose his, both times. Yeah, he's cat food on the other yeah. side or whatever. Yeah, yeah. This episode was unwilling to plumb that kind of grief. Instead, it's it's time travel grief, which hits in a different way, huh? Yeah, but I I think it's a really nice moment because it's that. We tried our hardest to to get this, and we can't even know whether it it worked or not. You know, your description of BLT being the one to keep the candle lit. You know, she's the one with the hope of maybe is not something that it seems as though Captain Janeway is willing to forward in her own right. She takes it like a pro, like like an athlete who just lost a game. She's like on to the next episode of Star yeah. Trek Voyager. You just got to practice harder. Yeah. Come back and beat him next time. You know, I don't know what's wrong with Chakotay's backstory either. It's not really up to me, but I just know we're on a team and we each uh, bring the best we can to every episode. 
Um, the button on the episode is once again in six bay with Baxter. This time the EMH is kind of throwing his weight around as chief medical officer. I think it's the first time he refers to himself as that. And he's like, Hey, listen, dude, like you keep injuring yourself badly working out. And if you can't demonstrate the ability to not injure yourself. I'm going to have to talk to your superior officer about it, which really dumps a bucket of ice water on, uh, on this jerk. This guy's really fucking up, Ben. Like the workout philosophy that you have during quarantine is don't get injured right. ever. <laughs> and I feel like they're experiencing a version of this. Yeah. It's interesting that he voices all this hesitance to be treated by a hollow doctor. And then also is the one that seems to be like the super user of the Voyager medical insurance system. Yeah, that's so weird. You know, you don't care about a thing until you till it affects you personally. Yeah. Huh. Kess is back in her purple Spider-Man costume. Here comes the Spider-Man. Which is just something I'm going to call attention to every time. <laughs> the EMH is like, hey, thanks for talking to the captain for me. That was great. Um, uh, I'm going to, you know, I've, I've got a list of things that... I'd like to uh, to have brought down here to six base, seeing as how I can't leave here. Um, and I have one other request, something of a personal nature. I would like a dick. <laughs> they didn't program him with one, apparently. That's terrible. This episode ends with like almost a smash cut, right? The doc is like, one of the qualities of a real person is a name. And I would like one of those. Adam, he wants a dick, not a name. And so they smash cut to the credits, which reveal his name, Ben. The doctor's new name is Rick Berman, Michael Piller, Jerry Taylor. <laughs> That's a lot of middle names for one guy. It's a mouthful. But he gets his wish. Yeah. Good for nice him. Nice tight conclusion to the episode. <laughs> Did you like the episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with. Most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I'm you promised there would be no more time travel episodes on Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> ben, you said, you said and I believed. But I don't care that you were wrong. I, be, that's because I like episodes like these. I didn't say that. I said that there's no way that they can go back to the deus ex machina specifically and i said it as a joke that nobody got <laughs> that was a lie i feel like i say this every episode i i describe what the main conflict is on this show and that's always changing <laughs> the having of hope and then putting that hope in the hope smashing machine should be like a part of every fucking episode from here on out yeah like i think we got something here oh i'm starting to feel a little bit of hope and then slamming your dick and balls or uh or vagina into a into a turbo lift door hard to slam a vagina in a door maybe a boob whatever you've Thumb? got sticking off of you <laughs> like i uh that should be a thing that should be a thing every episode yeah. there is a there's a quality to this hope and its relationship to how much time it'll take to get home that should be uh, that should be almost like caustic 
It should be it should be like running in the background of of every episode. It should affect every decision, and yeah. I hope it does. Yeah. But but in saying that, I'm saying I like that this episode contains that quality, and that is why I like it. What about you? I like it too. I think it's a really strong episode. I think that um, it really feels like a like a bit of a microcosm of the whole Voyager story in that way that that there's so much about it that's about maybe this is an opportunity no it isn't and and I I can see that becoming a trope that wears thin if they if they right. ring that bell every single time but I think done right it it's something that you know almost anybody can relate to like there's like tons of things that I want to have in my life or would like to achieve or or whatever that I haven't yet and and like you got to give up on all that man some of those things are just you know progress is slow some of them are that I I have completely gassed myself up and it's not realistic that I want that thing whatever it is some of it is uh I should never have thrown in with this fucking pizza thief as my business partner and 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 comedy co-conspirator because uh he's he's not trustworthy he just take a slice of pizza out of another man's mouth i'm like the hamburglar of pizza i'm like the the piz burglar robble robble indeed adam robble robble the pitts burglar <laughs> that sounds like i'm from pittsburgh and yeah, I'm it a, does and i'm yeah. a, i'm a it sounds like i'm a thief from pittsburgh yinzer stealing <laughs> bobolies <laughs> yeah yinzer stealing sandwiches with fries in them <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to see if we have any priority one messages in the inbox? Oh, I'm on my way there, Ben. All right. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from Jack in Melbourne, Australia. Plus... Sarah, Colin the Pomeranian, and Doris the Maltese Shih Tzu. I like dogs with human names. That's fun. Yeah, this is fun. And it is to Mike in Melbourne, Florida. Wow. Mel, that city in Florida isn't also pronounced Melbourne? No, because they don't Melbourne, have... Melbourne, Florida? <laughs> G'day, welcome to Florida. <laughs> this is about the worst accent I've ever done. The message goes like this. I have such fond late 90s memories of watching your next-gen VHSs together. Now that you live on the other side of the planet rather than the next room, keeping in contact via our love of Star Trek has really helped me feel like you're not too far away after all. Merry Xmas and love to you and Tanya, plus Ben and Adam. Merry Christmas, Mike and Melbourne. Thanks for not forgetting me and Ben. Yeah. <laughs> There's another P1 that's uh, months and months late. Love to everyone who lives in Melbourne and Melbourne. Yeah. From the greatest generation. Yeah. And Merry Christmas. Ben, our second priority one message is from KJ. It's to Nick Lacarno from Nova Squadron. <laughs> the message goes like this Screw you, Tom Paris. We know you're really like. I always want to say this Lick, <laughs> Lick Nicarno. <laughs> Lick Nicarno is his porn name. <laughs> We know you're really Nick Lacarno. 
Cedo Jaxa was killed off, but you got onto another series. I've held on to this since 1995, and it kept me from enjoying Voyager until Jerry Ryan joined the cast when I was in college and questioning my heterosexuality. Wow. Schulte, please get a Seska drop ready because she is 100% that bitch. Damn. Well, KJ, I've got to remind you and everyone else that uh, Ben and I self-produce Greatest Gen and always have. If you're talking about Schulte, uh, he's the producer-editor of The Greatest Discovery. Yeah, but we'll tell him to get a, a Seska drop ready. I mean, it might be it might be time to start thinking about having Rob come on on board Greatest Gen as a producer as well. He wouldn't want stolen producer valor. I know he doesn't want it, but I'm just saying uh, maybe it's a conversation worth having. Yeah, I'm done. I'm <laughs> done editing the show. I'll give it to Rob's. It's his if he wants it. <laughs> Well, if you would like to uh, help support The Greatest Generation and send a super late Christmas message or something, uh, you can head to MaximumFun.org slash Jembotron and uh, set your message up there. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Broadbender. Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Broadbender. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? I just couldn't figure out Telic Ramor because in an earlier scene, he's like, yeah, I got a daughter I've never met and a wife back at home. It's pretty tough for me out here on the science ship. And then he accepts the most dangerous mission ever, <laughs> more dangerous than any mission he would ever do on that science vessel he's on. He, he gets Maybe. beamed through the butthole. Yeah. And so I'm like, was he lying about the family? Was he lying about how much he misses them? Was he choosing science first as like a thing, like as his, as his life's goal? Like, does he put the professional above the personal or the family in his hierarchy of needs and interests? I don't know, but like he's the one that does something amazing this episode. He travels through a time butthole. No one's ever done that, right? And yet no one makes a big deal out of it either. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, that's the, <laughs> that's the paradox to me. It's like of all the people to experience something amazing, a Romulan's probably the worst one because <laughs> they're just not going to celebrate that <laughs> at all. I don't know. What I'm saying is I'm just very, very confused about Telic Ramor and his motivations. Yeah. I think for that reason, I'm going to make him my Shimoda. Nice. My Shimoda is Tuvok for the part where they're like going to the transporter room to receive Telecromor. And Tuvok is like, Captain, I'm going to have to follow this guy around the ship the entire time he's here. And yeah. I, I just, I love, I love that, uh, that move of stating the super obvious, like, hey, make sure you drain the pasta when it's done cooking. <laughs> Of course, Tuvok, we're going to have security on the strange Romulan we're beaming on board our ship from across the galaxy. Do you think it's Telic Ramor just being a Romulan that gives him that quality of not being blown away by being aboard a future ship? Yeah. Like he could and should be? Yeah, he really he really treats that as being not as remarkable as, as it actually is. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you, do you think we could just stop off at a replicator real fast? <laughs> like, because I would love to try this thing out. What soup options do you have, Captain? Romulans love soup. And, and Janeway's like, well, we've got a great vegetable 
broth here that I'd love for you to try. And, and he's like, and uh, he takes sounds a, a little more zesty than what I like. I like a real bland soup. He takes a beat and he's like, no, nah, we can just go to the McLaughlin group. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Oh, boy. Well, Adam, uh, this has been a fun episode, a regular episode, as determined by the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. But we need to determine how and what our next episode will be. I'm going to head to gach.biz slash game. Uh, we are currently on square 95. Amazing. And uh, the next episode is season one, episode seven, ex post facto. After Paris is convicted of a murder he swears he didn't commit, Tuvok must play detective to clear him. Oh, this sounds fun. Yeah, I like a, a stone cold whodunit in my trick. Wow. All right, dude, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone. It looks like the uh, two things we could potentially hit are a space butthole that would take us down to an nth degree episode or don't want that one a morn hammered episode well that could be fun you're required to learn as you play roll morn hammered being the power hour episode of greatest gen very divisive type of episode for us chula did i win hardly well adam the uh the other divisive type is, of course, the nth degree, and that is what I have hit. We are down to square Damn 78, it. and we have to do extensive research for the next episode of The Greatest Generation. No one's going to like that. <laughs> I can hear the disappointment in, in people right now. They're like, ah. Oh. They, they want to know these facts. They want to learn all the all the deep knowledge that we're able to uncover about There are about a thousand Star other Voyager. Star Trek podcasts who will give them the facts. No one else will give them the dick jokes that we will. Well, I, I'll also say no one else will give them the kinds of facts that we will. <laughs> Very true. Let's put a new spin on it. Yeah. All right. Well, that will be next week's episode. In the meantime, we really appreciate the... Generous support of the Friends of DeSoto who head to MaximumFun.org slash join and become monthly contributors uh, for as little as five bucks a month. You can help make sure this podcast stays afloat in the troubled waters that are these modern times. We really appreciate it. You'll get uh, you know, bonus gifts. You get uh, tons and tons of bonus episodes that are behind the paywall. And uh, it's something we really, truly appreciate. It's totally worth it if you want to keep us on the air. I mean, not to make a threat or anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, mean, I guess I'm making a subtle threat. It's a subtle threat. Um, we got to thank our buddy Adam Ragusia, who made the Janeway song, the original theme for The Greatest Generation Voyager, as well as Dark Materia, who made the OG theme for The Greatest Generation, the Picard song. Yeah, that's what we use as our end credits theme. Got to thank our buddy Bill Tilly, who now runs all of our social media accounts. Uh, he's got at uh, Greatest Trek on Twitter and Instagram, going strong. And uh, if you head over there, uh, there's lots of fun content for you to enjoy. Not to mention Greatest Trek on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Greatest Trek. We've been doing a little bit of live streaming over there. Uh, most Friday afternoons. Could you use a friend? A virtual mm. friend? Anyway, yeah. so many places to meet a friend of DeSoto online. Uh, you could 
bump into one on Twitter. Many of them use the hashtag GreatestGen. Uh, there's there are Miriam Facebook groups about all kinds of topics. There's a Discord that I recently dropped in on Ben. The these the Greatest Gen Discord, very conversational. Lots and lots of people there, and it Is seems it like back? a pretty positive place. I mean, here's the thing. I was told that the Discord was at drunkshimoda.com. Yeah. It does not appear to that URL. I was having problems with last week, and so were you. So, I mean. When I joined Discord, I looked up Greatest Gen and I was able to get to it that way. But uh, yeah, look oh, for no, the Greatest Gen Discord. Yeah, drunkshimoda.com is, is, is launching my Discord app right now. All right, well, maybe there's a, there was a hiccup back in the day. But yeah, drunkshimoda.com is where you go to meet some friends at DeSoto over on Discord. And I recommend that you do. That rules. Um, if you're uh, if you're a a very suspicious person that does not assume positive intent, you might check out the <laughs> Greatest Gen subreddit. And yeah. if you want to know like origin stories behind jokes on the show, you can head to greatestgen.wikia.com. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of the Greatest Generation Voyager that maybe should have saved its pizza thievery story for uh for this uh this upcoming episode so that people could get to the bottom of the criminality verily i am the tom paris of greatest generation (laughs) yeah there was a pretty intense moment at the beginning of the podcast when i was talking to adam through the jail bars uh when i was like hey listen if you come with me on this star trek podcast mission i might be able to get you a presidential pardon yeah and it worked <laughs> I mean you came with me on the mission I'm, I'm not telling you whether or not we're giving you the pardon yet hey Ben do we get to win this time MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.